Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. All day long, praise him. Are you supposed to bring your needs to him? Yes. He says to come to him with definite petition and thanksgiving in your heart. But so many times when we focus on our needs, on the me thing, it builds a spirit of insufficiency in our hearts. See, we need to present our request to him in faith with thanksgiving. But as we've studied the last couple weeks, praise, praise is the offensive line. Praise is what goes before you, and it slams the door in the face of the enemy. When we praise, light goes out before us. And I'm not talking metaphysical, okay, so don't, don't, don't pretend that I'm saying stuff that I'm not. It is the very light of God. Jesus is the light. It is his word. So when we praise in his word, it is a shield of favor. Psalm 512 tells us that. It's a shield of favor round about us, surrounding us. So we want to keep a heart of praise. So we're going to go today to Psalm 18. Absolutely one of my favorite psalms. You know, it's really hard to pick favorites because the word of God... Oh, no water. The word of God is all my favorite. (laughs) But I absolutely love Psalm 18 because Psalm 18 honestly has everything in it. It has... David expressing his love to God. It has David understanding a heart of servanthood. It has David expressing praise and adoration and honor. Is it really hot in here? Praise and honor and adoration unto the Father. And then it shows us the heart of God, the very heart of God, that he is so fierce, so fierce, in his love for you. And then it talks of victory. It talks of the victory that he has won for us. So, let's go to Psalm 18. This is David, right? The king of Judah. And this shows us how precious David's heart is. He has such a precious heart before the Lord. He starts out by stating he is a servant of the Lord. Let's read that. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So he starts out with his servanthood. And then it's such a beautiful thing because it makes us aware of the fact that David saw being a servant. This is how I interpret it. David saw being a servant as being of more import, of a greater honor, a greater honor, a more profound position than being king of Judah. He could have easily said here, look at me, here I come, 
king of Judah. And I am big, and I am tough, and I am strong. And I have just vanquished all my enemies. He could have said that. He didn't say that. He said, I'm a servant of the Lord, the Most High God. And he goes through this psalm, and he says, he did everything for me. You go through the psalm, and you'll find he takes no credit whatsoever. None. None. So when we are inclined to find ourselves wanting to take credit, we should come back and read this psalm. So anyway, the key here is servanthood. You see, the world system is completely upside down, backwards, inside out, compared to the kingdom of God. And we must keep our hearts and our minds focused on the kingdom of God. So it's not to be tempted into believing that the way the world does things is a good, is a good thing. Okay? The world is always, me first, look at me, look what I've done, listen to me, do what I say. I want to be the center of attention. I want people to look at me. I want to have the most power. I want to be acclaimed. Prestige is everything. Money is power. Cunning over mercy and grace. How much you can get, how much you can maybe outfox someone else. You see what I'm saying? Cunning over mercy and grace and humility. Whoa. Can we all just appreciate that? Power just go off? Humility? Looking around and saying, I need to do better than you. I need to be better than you. Trying to find fault in others instead of lifting them up. You know, our goal in life should be to find the good in every single person and lift it up. And lift it up. Constantly comparing ourselves to others rather than taking Jesus as the standard. He wouldn't put that burden on you. He would never put a burden on you to look at other people's gifts that you would probably be no good at rather than the own, your own gifts that he has given you. He gave you gifts to serve him. He gave you gifts to be a light in this world. He gave you gifts that nobody else has. And when you use those gifts, you are mantled in his very presence. That's what the service, you know, last week after service, I went to the Lord. Because, you know, he said, if you want to, you know, that you are mantled in the presence of God. And I went to him after the Lord, and I said, well, Lord, I thought I was just going to be praying for their mantling, but you were calling out all these things over every single person. What is that? And he basically said, I want them to understand where their mantling strength is. You see that? Each of you has different gifts, and he called. Am I on today? Is this on? Okay. He wants you to understand where your gifts are so that you can rest and not be anxious and use those gifts for him because he's already designed you to do that. And he will bring an ease and a peace when you walk in that. 
Anyway, that was a side, <laughs> but it's awesome. Anyway, so I was saying, back to the today's lesson, I was saying that the world system is backward from the God system and went through some of the world system. Well, what's the God system? What's the kingdom of God? What does that say? It says, the first will be last, right? The least shall be greatest. It says, the humble shall be exalted, because he will do the exalting. We, we, you know, we, can't, we don't want to exalt ourselves. Pride comes before a fall. Pride will bring you a big fall. Prefer others above yourself? Ouch! <laughs> so, servanthood. He first starts this with servanthood. Next, what does he do? And the second thing that he does, I actually find really interesting, because he's saying this song to the Lord. He goes, he's saying to the Lord the words of this song, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul. So the setting of Psalm 18 was basically that he had finally been delivered from Saul's onslaught, okay? Saul was so jealous of David. Remember, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. He became so jealous and so tormented because he had a heart of jealousy it became a heart of hatred. And he had nothing but murderous intent at that point for David. Nothing but murderous intent. He attempted to kill David several times. And on, on several occasions, David had the opportunity to kill him and did not take it. He refused to take things in his own hand, trusting in a faithful father. And because evil, evil will never triumph, no matter what it looks like, evil will never triumph over darkness. God protected David, and David became king as the word had been declared. He had to go through a whole lot until that point, didn't he? So anyway, David says in this introduction, and I find this incredibly interesting, and it shows you the righteous heart of David. He says, you del the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Why didn't he consider Saul an enemy? He set him apart. He set him in a different classification. He said, from all my enemies and from the hand of Saul. Do you guys get that? Do you see that? So he wasn't saying this. He could have very easily classified Saul as, as his enemy. Saul was his biggest torment, and yet he didn't. No matter what happened to David, how did he always refer to Saul, my Lord, in a, in a worldly sense? You know, when, when, he, when Saul tried to trick David and and he, he was going to give him his, first, his daughter in marriage the first time, um, David said, how am I worthy of such a thing, my Lord? You see what I'm saying? So he, he, no matter what happened, he did not see 
Saul. He did not classify Saul as his enemy. He, he allowed the Lord to keep it in his hands. He constantly called Saul his Lord. He obviously walked in so much love and so much forgiveness. Do you see that? He walked in so much love and so much forgiveness of, the, of Saul, regardless of the hatred and the jealousy that Saul had for him, that he refused to call him his enemy. He kept his heart pure before the Lord. That's righteousness. That's us carrying out the righteousness of God in Christ that we as New Testament believers own. He walked it out. I'm not going to touch him, Lord. He's your child. I'm your child. Do you see the righteousness that that takes in someone's heart? Man, that astounds me. I want to be like David. I want to walk around in so much of the love of God that even those who pursue harm or slander or whatever against me, that I will not, I refuse to call them my enemies. Spirits motivating those people are the enemy, not the person. I forgive. I want to see with the eyes of God. I want to see their pain instead of their sin. I want to see their pain instead of their sin. Because sin brings pain. So I want to see the I want to see the pain and I want to kind of want to pray for them. I want to lift them up. I want whatever plan God has for them in their life. So We get then to the body of Psalm 18. And this is where David, verses 1 through 3, he starts giving all credit to God, all praise to God. He has a heart of praise. He remembers how much he loves the Lord. He remembers the goodness of his God no matter what he's going through. And he starts out, he gives all honor, glory, and praise and takes no credit for anything. And he starts out, he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Wow. We should be doing that all day long. All day long. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. All day long, that's going to change your heart about so many things. It will make you tender before the Lord. But no matter what happens, whether in the battle, in the battle he gives praise, and in the victory he gives thanks. And we need to follow that example. 18.1. I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. So he starts by expressing love, like we've just talked about. What, when we express love to God, what does that do? Why is it so important? Because it pushes us 
into the very presence and strength and protection of God. You will be in no stronger place than when you are expressing your love to the Lord. It renews our minds and our souls. It renews our minds. It helps our minds to operate. When we renew our mind in the word and in the love of God, it elevates us into heavenly realms. It takes us into the courts of heaven. It expands our understanding of the Lord and how big he is. It expands our hearts, and it reminds us of the goodness of God. When, you, when you're just telling the Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, you can't help but think of all the good things that he's done. And you know what? We don't love God just because he does good things. We love him because we love him. He saved you from the pit of hell. That would be enough. If he never did another good thing for you. But he, he wants to do good things for you. You are his pleasure, as we learned last week. So when we love him, it lines up our emotions with his heart. And it transforms the existence that we have here in this worldly mundaneness a worldly mentality into remembrance of the greatness of our Father. So let's go through these adjectives. He uses a bunch of them. He says strength. Strength. David, what is strength? That was David's empowerment to win against the enemy. Rock. His stability. What's a rock? his stability, his secure standing, his immovable foundation in the battle. And I really don't mean to always constantly, but it is, it is, you know, the Lord doesn't give people experiences not to share. So if you're bored about hearing about the third heaven experience, raise your hand and, you know. But when I was laying on that rock, face down, I knew I was totally safe. No matter how my body felt, not being able to breathe, they kept saying, breathe, breathe, breathe. How can I? It's not there. But I knew I was safe on the rock. What is the rock? It's his word. That's all that kept coming in my spirit was word. Just word, just word, just word, just word, just word. Oh, brothers and sisters. You know how I always say make sure you read the word because you get so much more about all the other verses and it all comes together and it builds you up? But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you have better have the word in your heart so that you can recall it when your flesh can do nothing but lay there. It, will be the it can be the matter of life and death. I could have gone. I could have gone. I know that.
but speaking the word, it gave me conversation with my father. We had a conversation. You can have a conversation with your father every day. You know something that reminded me? Something that I recently, boy, man, I am way off today, but anyway, I'll get back to Psalm 18 in a minute. But you know what the Lord reminded me of this week, or perhaps it was last week? I'm supposed to stand in one spot, I know that. <laughs> it's possible. But anyway, you know what the Lord reminded me of this week? Several years back, when Jesse Duplantis was here, I was just worshiping. I was just praising God. I was sitting right there about where April is, the next row back probably. And he walks over to me, and he says, you can ask for anything you want, and God will do it. You just, just ask. Well, and you guys should take this as an encouragement. I had not really thought about the fact or whatever that I ask God all the time for supernatural visitations. All the time. I say, Lord, I want to know. I want to see you. I want to be in your presence. I don't want to just be on this earth. I want to be transported. This is the third time in my life I've been transported into heaven. The others weren't near-death experiences. <laughs> but, and I ask that for all of you. I lift you guys up in prayer all the time. And I ask the Lord to show you himself face to face. I ask the Lord to give you visitations of angels. Now, are we just seeking the miraculous, to seek the miraculous, no. We are seeking to know God. We are seeking presence. So it's not like we should lay out pleases. But when our desire is just to please God, just to do his will, just to know what he wants, just to get direction. You see that? There's no reason that you can't experience that. So anyway, y'all should, y'all should, you know, desire that. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He showed me so much. It was such an encouragement. Because when he said to me, I have so much more I want you to do, he included all of you in that. He specifically, I don't know if you got that in the first CD where I was talking about that. But see, that wasn't just for me. Because you are the strength of his body here. So when he said to me, yeah, I'm sending you back. I'm glad we agree. You know, when I said, no offense, Lord, but I really don't want to come with you right now. I want to go back and be with my family. You know, my, of course, my children and my husband, but my church family, I specifically included that. He said, I'm so glad we agree. See, we can, we can disagree with God and we can go on. We can die. If we want to die. If we want to go on. But he specifically, I said, 
I don't want to go because I feel like I have so, I didn't say feel, I didn't say that word. I said, I have so much more that I want to do for you. And he said, good, I'm glad we agree because I have so much more that I want you to do for me. And he included all of you in it because you are a part of this body. See, this isn't just me. It's not just my husband. My husband is my biggest supporter. Thank God I have a strong husband. Honestly, because most men would not handle this very well. They'd find a whole bunch of excuses. It would antagonize their pride. It would antagonize their, you know, headship. And thank God I have a husband. Thank God I'm not, I'm not using that as a vanity. I am so thankful to God every day that I have a husband that is strong enough to support the calling that he has on this family. God told me before each of the kids was born that they were going to be ministers in this family unit. I've seen it before they were born. The vision has been there forever. And they have chosen to walk in it. Well, anyway, I guess I'll go back to Psalm 18. But I'm just trying to encourage you today. The supernatural, the presence of God, is something that you can walk in all the time. All the time. Just praise him and honor him. Anyway, so David says, strength, we went over that. Rock, that's what got me off on that whole tangent. Uh, Well, it wasn't a tangent, but that whole thing. Fortress. He uses the word fortress. That means safety, protection, place of shelter and strength. By the way, that rock was a fortress. The darkness all around couldn't even come close to me. Deliverer. The one who saved David. Deliverer. He's your deliverer too. He is a way of escape from any attack of the enemy. He is your way to victory. That's what a deliverer is. Then he uses the word, my God. My God. My God. You are mine. My all in all. My everything. My king. My leader. The one I trust. My God. Say that. Yeah, do you mean it? He he uses the word refuge. The one I run to that brings me peace. Hallelujah. The one in whom I trust. The one who brings peace to my soul and comfort to me. The one who is my source. The very foundation of my life. My hope. My hope. Next he goes to shield. Do you see how he's just praising God? Do you see what he's doing? He's just honoring who God is. He says shield, my defense, my defender, body and soul. Psalm 512 says, 
He is a shield of favor round about me, surrounding me. Horn of my salvation. Okay, now horn of my salvation, that indicates strength. But think about what a horn also symbolizes. It symbolizes, it symbolizes the anointing, a horn of oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit, his anointing over you, his mantle over you. A horn is a, like a flask, precious, precious oil of the Holy Spirit. Stronghold, my high place, my security, my retreat. Then he says, worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. You are so worthy of praise, Lord. Here David is boasting in the glory of God. He's boasting in God's magnificence. Boast in his magnificence, beloved. Boast in the things that he does for you. Put yourself in remembrance of the wonders that he's done in your life. He's to be praised above all else. Above all else. So, in all of this, David is just giving all the credit, all the praise, all the glory, all the honor to our Lord and Father. Hallelujah. He's taking nothing, nothing for himself. This is the king of Judah. Get that? This is the king of Judah. He remembers his enemies. He remembers the struggles. And he gives all credit to the Lord. So now let's look at how dire his circumstances. I just love this psalm because it, it, it has everything in it. Next, he goes after praising, okay, He's just a plain old guy at this point. And, he, you know, okay, I'm not going to say that. He's just a guy talking about how awful it's really been. <laughs> you know, charismatic sometimes, well, that's a bad word. Spirit-filled Christians sometimes think that you can't be real about your pain can't be real about your struggle. You can't be real about the attacks of the enemy. The minute anything goes wrong, you get in shame and condemnation. Like, where did I miss it? Where wasn't I on the word? Where wasn't I strong enough? Oh my gosh. That is yuck. That's just plain old yuck. I really don't know how else to put it. I don't know how to put it eloquently. Because it's not the way that God sees us. You know, if we're covered in the blood, we're covered in the blood. So anyway, this is how awful it was. And I think it's so awesome that he's so real so that we can relate to him. In verse 4, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by a situation? Where is the end, Lord? When is it going to stop, Lord? Go read Psalm 13. 
The cords of the grave coiled around me. I get a picture there of like a boa constrictor just trying to like squeeze all the life out of me. But he can't. He won't. It's not going to work. The one who's in me is stronger and greater and mightier than anything in the world. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. In my distress. He admits that he is an overwhelming, distressful circumstance. I cried to my God for help, crying out to the Lord. See, because in himself, he was not strong. In himself, he was fearful. In himself, he was weak. That's why God wants us to get out of self. Have you ever felt that way? Well, beloved, the Lord has you. He has you so ferociously. We're going to see that in the next section of this psalm. You know, and a lot of times when we go through times and we feel weak, we get really down on ourselves. Well, why would you get down on yourself at that point? You're not meant to face it alone. God didn't need for you to face it alone. So you don't need to get down on yourself. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Hallelujah. Scripture says he answers before we even call. So David is facing physical death. He is being tormented by a man to whom he had done only good. Is that going to stop you in your tracks next time? You say, why is this happening to me? I've only had good toward that person. It should stop you. Because we don't need to be thinking that way. Do we? David had only good toward Saul, and Saul pursued him and pursued him and pursued him viciously, unrighteously. Like something we know that's going on in the world right now. Well, God has an answer. So there was no excuse. Saul, Saul had no excuse for his pursuit after someone who had only blessed him. So when you are struggling... When you are in pain, remember God's heart for you. Remember when you face trials, these next verses. Psalm 18, starting in verse 7. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. This is God coming onto the scene for you. This is him being your rescue. Just think of the passion that he has for you here. Gosh, I can barely contain myself. You probably think I'm not containing myself. That might be so. But this is God's heart for us when we are suffering. It is him on the scene. 
It didn't mean that, that David wa- didn't go through issues. Okay, the earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Your father, God. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Picture this, beloved. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. What do you think Jesus did? That's our Jesus. Today, for you even. And it's God your Father. Burning coals. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. The enemy didn't even know what was coming. Hello? Your enemy doesn't even know what's coming. Stay faithful to a faithful God. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He is going to have his word. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. That's what he does for you. Especially when we praise him. (laughs) Great bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth lay bare at your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast of breath from your nostrils. Just his breath. Wow. What a powerful God. What a loving Father. He is jealous for you. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Have you ever felt like you were in deep waters? Have you ever felt like you were going down? Well, your Lord has another picture in mind. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. You know, sometimes your foes are just your thoughts. Just your thoughts. I can't do it. There won't be enough. You know, We get stuck in a rut. Well, this is what my dad did, so this is what I'm going to do. This is what my mom did, so that's what I'm going to do. And there's nothing more, and I can't look any higher, and there's nothing bigger. Self-condemnation is another thought that has nothing in the realm of heaven, of God for you. (laughs) You know, thinking about all thinking about mistakes that you've made. Once you've taken it to him, it's over. 
The blood has made you perfect. The blood of Jesus has made you perfect. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. The Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Your father delights in you. Your father delights in you. We learned that last week. Psalm, in Psalm 16, we were talking about that. So your God, does this look like a God who fights for you? His righteous anger compels him to your rescue. He displays his mighty love for you, for me, in these verses. His strength on your behalf. He will not stand by and allow his children to be forsaken or abandoned. He is fierce. He has a fierce jealousy and a fierce devotion to you. His fury, fueled by his love, his fury, I, I, we use that word on purpose, his fury, fueled by his love and his justice, because he is a just God, and his mercy, because he is a merciful God, defends us every time when harm comes knocking on the door. He supports us, and he draws us to safety. He places us on the rock. When the battle rages against, when the floodwaters come in, he's there. He will not fail you. He is a faithful God. When financial issues loom, when health issues might loom, when you have issues with children or spouses or relatives. Okay, next we're going to go to verse 16 and 17. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in my day of disaster, but the Lord was my support. He delights in you. He rescues you just because you are his. Not because you are perfect. Was David a perfect man? No. No, he got into a lot of sin and trouble. But the thing about David, you know, later in the Psalms, he calls himself blameless. Because he knew his righteousness in the Lord. He had a repentant heart. He understood the mercy of God. So it says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. In Psalm 16, 3, it says, the saints are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That's how the Lord sees you. In Psalm 107.30, it says that he takes you into your desired haven. And these are not perfect people. These are not people that, you're not a person who doesn't make mistakes. 18.50 says, he shows unfailing love to his anointed. That's every believer. 
He does not delight in us because we perfect, we're perfect. He delights in us just because we're his children. David was not perfect. We're not perfect. David knew he was the righteousness unto God. And he refers to himself as blameless. He knew God's mercy. And even though he was imperfect, he kept a heart always to do God's will. That's key. He ha- kept a heart always to praise God. That's key. And God showed his unfailing love to David. No matter what Saul did, no matter what Saul did, David refused to avenge himself. He, he chose to leave himself in the hand of God. What better place could you be? His response in every situation, we, can, we see it in this psalm, and I'm obviously now, you know, I'm not going to get through the rest of the psalm. But anyway, his heart was always adoration for his father. His heart was always thanksgiving. It was always praise. It was always honor. It was always that this is a faithful father that I have. It was always a heart of servanthood and thanksgiving to his father. And when we keep our hearts in that same place, nothing is impossible. See that? We just need to stay in a place of praise. That's where we want our hearts to be. There is, when a heart is praising the Lord, the darkness cannot encroach. When you're praising God, when you're just praising God, just honoring him, blessing him, you're not even going to be able to think negative, dark thoughts. The darkness is not, like we said in the last two weeks, that praise is a shield round about you. That praise goes before you. That praise scatters the enemy. That's from scripture. So hallelujah, your praise, your adoration of your loving, faithful father closes the hand of the enemy. So we're going to go ahead and take our take communion and then we're going to go ahead and take our tithes and offerings and I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about the first fruits so first we're going to take communion we have open communion in this church any believer in the Lord Jesus Christ thank you Lord that you have died that you died for all Thank you, Lord, that you were willing to walk that walk to the cross so that we could be saved, so that we could know you, so that we could understand your love. We thank you that you gave up your body. We thank you that you chose to follow the will of your Father. So, Lord, today we remember, we remember what you have done for us. We receive healing in every situation in our lives. Remembering you, the word, and that you are true. In Jesus' name. And Lord, when we think about the blood, we remember your mercy. You chose to give up your life. Nobody took it from you. You chose to pour out your blood on the mercy seat for us. 
so that we could have forgiveness of sins. We thank you that the veil was torn and that you allowed us into the very presence of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are precious beyond measure. You are precious beyond measure. And we thank you that because of you, we could walk victoriously here, we could know your presence, and we get to live with you eternally. In Jesus' mighty name. Okay, we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And last week or the week before, I don't remember which, I announced that we are going to be doing a first fruits offering, and I had questions about that. I'm going to tell you what I think about first fruits. I think that first fruits is up to each person. It is a way to honor God. It is holy unto the Lord. If you haven't read the thing, the uh, little thing that I wrote about first fruits, go ahead and get a copy of it on the way out. It removes strongholds in our lives because we submit to God in the giving of our first fruits. He commanded first fruits. And so acts of obedience in our lives break strongholds, break idols. And, you know, the term uh, means the promise to come. I know I put that in here somewhere. Um, the Hebrew word, it starts with a B. B-I-K-K something. Anyway, it's in here. Go ahead and read it. But it's, it is the word meaning promise to come. So you give the best, not the leftovers, you give the best and believe in the promise to come. So, you know, Jesus was the first fruit. Jesus was the first fruit. And if God had not given a first fruit, where would each of us be? And the beautiful thing is, is that Christ is holy, and he has made us holy through him. He being the first fruit. So we get to experience his inheritance here on this earth because of what he did. So he was given as a first fruit, and so when you choose to give a first fruit, not out of obligation, it's, it's, it is out of obedience to the Lord, but you should not feel pressured or obligated by me. It's between you and the Lord. So I personally believe that everyone should give a first fruit offering, but I believe you should do it when you are ready and when the Lord speaks to you and when you understand the concept and, and see that it is the best offering of the harvest and a promise to come. But there are those who want a specific date. So I'm going to every week from now until Pentecost, because that's when first fruits were typically given in the Old Testament, but their months were different than our months. So it would have been before our Pentecost. 
So up until the time of then, I'm going to be praying over first fruits. You can give them at any time, but anyone who does want a specific day, I will be taking a specific first fruits offering. If you're ready, I will be taking a specific one the last Sunday of March. Does that make sense? I personally think it's between you and the Lord, and you can give it at any time, and you should give it when, when you recognize the harvest. You, you understand what I'm saying? But for those who have asked for a specific time, I will be doing it the last Sunday of March. Because that's not unscriptural, since during, during un, under the Old Testament, typically it was given at a specific time. Okay, so that's that. Read this over and over again and, and allow it to, to soften your heart and, and just prepare you. So Lord, I just thank you. I'm going to thank, I thank you, Lord, today on many accounts, but specifically for the tithes and offerings, Lord. According to Malachi 3, I thank you that for tithes given, that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that they cannot contain it because that's your promise. You say we can test you in this, Lord. So I thank you for that. And for offerings, I thank you, Lord. Then when we give, it shall be given unto us, pressed down, shaken together. Men shall pour into our bosoms. I thank you for that. On our behalf, on their behalf. And for the first fruits, Lord, I thank you for the promise to come. We sow it in faith, Lord, because you gave the ultimate first fruit. He is holy, and he has made us holy. So we sow first fruits, the best of what we have, Lord, remembering what you have done for us and allowing it to soften our hearts to just serve you, to honor you, to bless you because you are such a true and faithful God. In Jesus' mighty name. So if the ushers could receive the various gifts, if you do have first fruits, please label it as your first fruits. So Lord, I just thank you for each and every person. I thank you for their families. I thank you that your hand of blessing is upon them. I thank you that you have mantled them with your presence. I thank you that you go before them to the left, to the right, above, beneath. I thank you that they are the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, above only and not beneath. I thank you that you bless the work of their hands. I thank you that they are trees planted beside streams of living water who bears fruit in due season and whose vine never withers. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You are dismissed. Love you guys. Love you, love you, love you.